Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I'm so pleased to be joined by Asad Garani. Asad is a certified financial planner professional, and he founded AG Wealth Management a few years ago at the age of 24, which is located close to me here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Asad currently sits on the board of directors for the Financial Planning Association of Michigan, and he is the co-chair of their Next Generation Committee. Asad, welcome to the podcast. It is great to be here. Thank you for having me, Melissa. Well, I always love collaborating with friends, and you are a financial planner who's close here to home. We see each other around town at events and things like that and stay in touch. And I thought you would be the perfect guest to join us on the podcast and talk about financial planning for those who are kind of emerging from their starter stage and getting into earning some real money, but are younger than traditional financial planning clients. We have an acronym for that. We call them Henry's and we'll explain what that means and what we see working with them because we both work, start working with quite a few people who are in their twenties and thirties. To get started, Asad, tell me why this topic is passionate for you. Here's what I believe. Um, Financial planning is evolving in the right direction in general. We went from uh, just selling mutual funds to uh, doing comprehensive portfolios. And now the next phase, which is already here, um, arguably is is just having comprehensive financial planning alongside the investment piece. Now, the problem is uh, when larger advisory firms are only focusing on people in or near retirement and they already have their assets, the work is just mostly done. I don't want to say there's no work to do, but people in their 20s and 30s who have their first high earning job are the people who need help. They have so many moving pieces. So they have a lot of student loans. They have some decisions to make around buying versus renting a house, uh, how much they could afford, uh, their mortgage options, you name it. Think of it as a blank slate. You're just starting with a blank canvas where every decision that you help them make would just compound or just have a lot more time to compound for like 20, 30, 40 years. And um, eventually, if you're helping them early on and just guiding them to do their right decisions, the difference is just huge. I agree with you. I think that we've all seen and heard the compounding returns of early investing. Charts that say Johnny started investing at 20 in a Roth IRA and Susie started investing at 30. And here's how much more Johnny money Johnny has, even if he stops investing earlier than Susie. The underestimated value in financial planning is actually the compounding returns of good financial decisions, where it's not just when you start investing, but making more informed financial decisions about your savings, your spending, when to do what. And that's where I see the huge opportunity to starting to work with people at younger ages. Absolutely. Also, uh, just to quickly touch on this, we always speak about 
a compounded return. But um, I'd like to also add to this, uh, let's call it financial planning alpha, because all these like small decisions and the small savings are just adding up to your portfolio early on that also are going to be compounded. So um, it is not only compounding at an earlier age, but if you are if you're just more tax efficient at an earlier age and doing a lot more right decisions at an earlier age, all, all these are just adding up. So we have seen that. I, I got unique perspective on this because I first worked in a company that was founded 40 years ago that worked with that generation, the baby boomers, younger, higher earners. And if you haven't caught it yet, the HE in our Henry acronym is high earning. So they were making small, they were working, it was much smaller investment accounts, but they were doing comprehensive financial planning when it really was a new concept. And I'm working with those clients today, three and four decades later, and I, I get to see the visual of the impact of starting to make good financial decisions early. Let's define, how do you define Henry? So, so what, Henry, is, what does it stand for? So Henry is high earner, uh, not rich yet, um, which I also uh, I like to call my clients emerging wealth. So I kind of, uh, I kind of use these two terms uh, just interchangeably. So yeah, it's kind of a crude term that the financial planning community maybe uses behind closed doors. So we're opening up the concept to everyone and excuse the crudeness, but in the world of financial advice, you know, your level of wealth matters. So that's, that's how the definition came about. I'm trying to defy here all the expectations that that wealth matters because I think our job is to help them create the wealth. So as long as they have, I don't want to say the means, uh, but if they have uh, the high earning jobs where they could have a lot more flexibility to create their financial plan, this is where we could do just so much. So I'll give you an example. Most of my clients are people in their late 20s. Oftentimes, they are just recent grads from dental schools, med schools, or law schools. These people have anywhere between three to six hundred thousand dollars in debt. Anywhere between. But you're saying th- not three to six thousand, three to six hundred thousand. Three to six hundred thousand. I'm yes. sorry. Um, no, you I, you probably said it, but it take a pause and take that in. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it is a huge number, and and on average, they're making anywhere between one hundred fifty to say two hundred fifty thousand a year. It seems like on one side, so much of of the income that they're making is going toward their. Uh, student loan. So it doesn't mean that, that they're servicing, yep. as high earners. Now there's so much planning around that area with their student loans or their, with their tax situation because they were either in a extremely low tax bracket and they just suddenly jumped into a very high tax bracket. I also find when you have spent, in the cases you're describing, eight to 12 years as a student while you're friends who went down other career paths are kind of living life in their 20s and and you're kind of exited out of academic institutions late 20s early 30s you've made a lot of sacrifices financially for that investment in your personal human capital and people are ready to live right and so you can get to a point where you never get around to the saving component of planning for retirement because you're already thinking about how do I get my kids to be educated at the same level I've been educated while I'm still paying off these mountains of student loans. And it's not impossible, but it's helpful to have a professional who can help you to balance your priorities so that you're not only solitarily focused on enhancing your quality of life or 
paying for the kids' college, you have some balance there. Cash flow is also a big area that we always dive in. What are the priorities, how they are lining up against these priorities? So let me tell you one thing about the newer generation. It's in general, the trend has been uh, household formation are obviously starting a much, at a much later age. So a lot of my clients actually do not have kids are just recently married or are just going to get married. And they value a lot of different things than their older counterparts. So all my clients, they don't care about owning a big house. They don't care about uh, having a lot of material things. They want to experience life. They want to travel. They want to do these kind of things. Third generation is just into experiences than possessions. That opens up a lot of opportunities because we could have so many other topics to discuss. Yes, wealth isn't defined by the bottom line on your balance sheet or your net worth statement. And of course, you have some basic maintenance requirements to get to the level where you can decide whether you have a wealthy lifestyle or state of mind. But everyone needs to define that for themselves if they have the opportunity to. And one of the things you're describing is a generation that values experiences, aspirations that may be a different path than their parents or my generation, I'm Gen X. And you're describing millennials and possibly Gen Z, right? And things can change over time. But I, I agree, it's, it's um, that household formation slowing up means that people are making decisions on an individual basis earlier. They're each, if you're in a relationship, you know, kind of coming to the relationship with a financial perspective that might be more independent than previous generations as well. Yeah. And uh, by the way, also, all the old ways of the financial industries are not going to work with millennials because they have the internet at their fingertips and they, they understand the differences between uh, someone who is doing planning versus someone who is just managing assets and they want someone who is more comprehensive. So they know these differences and they are expecting more and they just want it done on their own way. For both of us, as we've conversed, there are a ton of people that do when they can find trustworthy, credible financial advice that is following that comprehensive methodology, even if they think they need to hire someone to help them with investments when they're queued up to, hey, yeah, investments is an important component of your relationship with a certified financial planner. But there are a lot of other things that we would like to discuss with you. If we're going to be a good fit, it's it's comprehensive. There are just so many people that are not being served by what you described as traditional either financial planning or brokerage or investor, professional investors. And so I've had so much fun with new clients that I'm working with who finally I'm not younger than them. It's, you know, kind of the tables are turned. Not that I also don't enjoy working with older people, but it's a lot of fun to, you know, get started early and make those financial decisions. There's just a huge opportunity set when people are thoughtful about their finances earlier in their life. Early component is so huge um, and we could add so much more or just helping them with cash flows, taxes, and right. so many areas. So yeah, it compounds, it adds up. I'd like to get into some of the technical nuts and bolts, just leave people with a few ideas. One of the things I find is people reach out to me, um, both Gen X and millennial generations, and they've been good savers. They did the internet research to kind of learn financial literacy. And so they're doing a good job, although sometimes they're they're not sure if they are, you know, they, they always assume their neighbors are doing a little bit better, but then they say, you know, I'm, I'm maxing out my 401ks. 
I've got some extra money saving, or I've kind of got another, we've hit the income limit, so we cannot, I cannot, or we cannot contribute to Roths anymore. Because that's the first, you know, kind of basic, if you do a Google search, it's one of the first things that everybody tells people to do. So I want to leave people with some strategies that, that we talked with clients about um, when they get to those points. What are some of the things that you think about? Uh, we do a lot of backdoor Roth conversions, which is available in so many companies. Uh, but with that being said, not for everyone. This would open up a lot more room beyond this uh, $18,000 or $19,000 that you could just put away in a 401k. There's So, so many- there's two types of backdoor. There's a, I think we have the backdoor Roth, which is a contribution to a traditional IRA that gets converted. Well, um, and then a mega backdoor of Roth where you're adding more after-tax money after you've maxed out, which is company by company, but is typically we're talking about the 401k at that point. Is that correct? Yes. And this is exactly what I was referring to. I'm sorry. I cannot just... No, you're good. The, I mean, they're both backdoor, so... Yeah. Um, I kind of use them interchangeably, but yeah, what I'm... Is the uh, like non-tax deductible portion after the 401k contribution. So uh, because there's so much room uh, in there. And as long as the company is letting them have this portion and they could do the in-service withdrawals, we do take advantage of it a lot of times. But then also on the flip side, like not every penny saved is going toward retirement. So it's important to have something outside of the 401ks and the IRAs uh, that you could access at any time without penalty. So I like to think of them in buckets. You have your 401ks and IRAs uh, early 60s and, and after. So what about your 40s? Say... You are trying to either start a business or maybe just retire early or simply if you have a bigger family and you cannot save as much or as aggressively, all these extra dollars outside of a 401k would also give you some flexibility. I know there's taxes involved, but one, let me say, uh, if you are incurring taxes taxes in general, it means you have made money. But two, I I agree with you. Yes, it's uh, the... The worst alternative is not only taxes because you there's no income coming in. Yes. Right. Or wealth. And, yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many ways to be so tax efficient using a lot of tax efficient vehicles where there's not uh, so much dividends. You're not selling much. You're just basically just rebalancing every now and then, taking advantage of market downturns to uh, adjust your portfolio. So it is not the end of the world if they have a brokerage account when they are in their late 20s or 30s. Actually, I find it extremely useful. It adds a lot of flexibility to these different stages in life. Not only is it not the end of the world, what it tells me when I see someone's balance sheet and they have both emergency reserves that's in cash, which would, is certainly something that we talk about and we don't want to be skimpy on. But also when you have taxable investments, it gives you a lot of options for early retirement if that's your either desire or in some cases people don't have a choice because of disability or a change in career. It, it demonstrates a capability of saving beyond what you're told kind of is the standard of maximum savings, which is maxing out a 401k. So it it shows that you have a lot of ability to flex for your savings and discipline in how you handle your finances. And that's not for everyone. Not everyone has that option, but it's certainly, you know, if you are in that high earning range where in your twenties and thirties, you're making a couple hundred thousand a year, which is likely to grow over time. If you're managing your career, then, you know, if you just walk in the door at 50 with only 401k savings and a little bit of cash and some properties, 
then what that tells me is you're we're going to need to replace a lot of income in retirement because you have pretty much been spending everything you make except for those savings and paying the mortgage. Well, there's no doubt that um, it is advantageous to use either a uh, normal or the traditional IRA 401k or a Roth. There's always tax benefits, uh, but at retirement, um, if they are or if they need a uh, like a big payout from these accounts, they are still incurring taxes. So this is something to think about too. Uh, when uh, yeah, the tax benefits can snap back on you. The most desirable asset when you're saving and looking to reduce your tax bill today is the tax deferred account, which is often accessed through 401k or if you're under income limits, the traditional IRA. But then all of that has a tax bill for you when you get to the point of time where you want to spend the money. And what is the point if it's not used for your retirement? So I always tell people, you know, the goal is to have your money working for you and, and helping you with your desires. It's not to end up with the most at the end of, you know, at the end of your life. On the brokerage side, uh, you could always, um, in your 40s, if you find yourself uh, short on cash and short on savings, you could always basically use this money to fund your 401k uh, going forward. All it does basically just, uh, uh, it just gives you a lot more options uh, to choose from down the line. Yeah, it's an optionality for the future. The millennial that you're describing, where you really do value experiences, travel, etc. Doesn't sound that unfamiliar to me for my Gen X Reality Bites generation 20 years ago. Things may change over time. Sometimes when I sit down with people in their 20s and 30s and explain to them, hey, you know, your future looks really great. Here's how much I see you spending in retirement. They see a bigger number. Of course, we talk about how, you know, this is only a probability and there's many years of uncertainty in between, but they say, well, I'm never going to need to spend that much or want to. And the reality is whether it's lifestyle creep where you just get used to spending more or you um, really want to pursue different goals and dreams don't assume that your consumption today what you want over time because there is that maturation where everybody kind of goes through a process once you have the family in the house you may want a bigger house than you thought you did my husband and I had had our son for a year in the condo that I had my first house the condo I purchased before we were married and we thought you know first five years we can hang out in this house it'll be great and as soon as my son was walking it was like we need more space so don't assume that your you know kind of state of the world is always good it, it will evolve just like the rest of the world does Absolutely. Um, I tell my clients all the time that financial plan uh, just a financial plan but uh, by itself is uh, almost useless it is the financial planning uh, process that is that is extremely useful. Um, I'll give you an example. I had a few new clients um, late January that we started the financial planning process with. And look at it now. Uh, after COVID, um, it only took like three or four weeks to COVID for, uh, to hit and everything now is looking different. So if I gave them only a one-time plan and, uh, and then just like never updated any assumptions, everything is so outdated already. I tell them, we start by the first assumption, which is wrong. Okay, uh, the plan timeline is still at this age, you are retiring at this age. We have no idea how these are going to turn out. We These are just base assumptions. It's a finger in the air. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I think the financial plan is your touchstone and it's built to be flexible. It's been built to bend and not break if it's done right. It's really the iterative process of revisiting that plan, updating it each year. There's both the changes to your life and the changes to the rules, whether it's taxes or how you can save or 
what your employment is, et cetera. That's where the true value of financial planning is. But you can't get to that iterative magic unless you commit to getting started. And once you get started, you do have that touchstone to revisit. It's certainly something that I was discussing with clients as we as the world completely changed in the month of March. We don't have to start at square one of what the heck do I do because we already had a game plan. And now we're just going to see how the world has changed and how that game plan needs to adjust. So many of my clients, um, a lot of them, Henry's, back in January, we had went over all the uh, like financial planning projections for the year, updated all the assumptions, and did all the maintenance on the plans. And it didn't take two months for everything to be uh, almost completely irrelevant from people who are furloughed or people who had uh, taken a uh, pay cut or actually people who have even uh, even thrived and did better and found a new job. So it's always about the process and, uh, and being uh, able to just continually update um, everything as we uh, go on. And as you said, um, it is meant to be bent, but not broken. I hope that our listeners are hearing each of our passion for the value of professional financial discussions as well as good financial decisions. Earlier is always better. <laughs> it's, there's no time like the present to get started with financial planning. You don't have to look in the rearview mirror and say, oh, I should have. Just make the commitment to yourself to get started. You will see the rewards over time. Um, I just uh, got this in mind uh, that, uh, that we probably should discuss too. Um, I've been seeing um, a lot of growth in the FIRE movement in the past Oh, few yes. FIRE. Yeah. By, it's a retire, retiring early movement. Super early. Yeah. Financial independence retire early. And I have a lot of uh, interesting conversations um, around these. Um, so you have a lot of people that are looking to retire in their 30s, 40s, or 50s? So here's what I tell my clients. The idea of being financial, just financially independent is great. Uh, we strongly endorse it. As a matter of fact, this is what we're trying to uh, get them to. Now, with that being said, retiring early in general, it's a personal decision. But as with any movement that grows so fast, you start seeing a bigger diversity in ideas. Now, when you have more ideas, it doesn't mean all ideas are good ideas. I tell them, um, I tell them uh, play with fire. It doesn't mean that you have to listen to everything that you hear on the uh, Internet. We've had between 09 to earlier this year, 11-year bull markets. Everything was rising and everyone looked like a genius. It has certainly helped to uh, basically grow the movement. There's a lot more rigid testing that has to be done on a 60-year retirement versus a 30-year retirement. Sequence of return risk is something big. Um, if you are counting on, on not only dividends to pay your bill and uh, basically support your lifestyle and you have to take or dip into your principal, it only takes a couple, uh, uh, like two or three bad years earlier in your retirement, which, I mean, in a six or 70... Every year is early for the first 20 or 25 if you retire super e early. Exactly. So sequence of return risk is huge um, and they have to take this into account. So I don't mind it as long as they're doing it right, uh, meaning they save a lot more than they think they need to I tell them at the end, money is a tool. So obviously this is personal, but what is the point of sharing a Netflix password and just living so frugally to a point where you cannot do anything anymore? Um, yeah, I, th I think that, that when you, your game is how little can I spend, you know, and it's like a source of pride of 
just a minimal footprint that can be that can be your personal contentment but it can also be born out of a scarcity mentality it just depends and if you're living in a scarcity mentality how is that impacting your anxiety your perspective the choices that you make the um, the quality of your life and it it just depends i can't i can't tell other people how to think and my goal is to help them live the life they've intentionally decided they want to pursue. When I think of the FIRE movement, one of my challenges is what are you going to do with your time? What are you passionate about? Because just, you know, not working for the man is different than, you know, not having any work. So sometimes the people that are um, talking about the FIRE movement have monetized their own personal early retirement and are actually working. They're just working for themselves. I'm selling the idea. I'm so glad you brought it up. That was exactly my point. A lot of people who are teaching you how to retire early are themselves not even retired. They just uh, went from a nine to five to a to a completely online business of making money teaching people how to retire. Yeah. And hey, we both work for ourselves, right, Assad? So we are huge fans of entrepreneurial spirit, but that's totally different than not collecting a paycheck or earning money. Absolutely. Paying yourself getting those earnings together is completely different than no income that is earned income for 60, 70 year period. I mean, this is absolutely different. Good for you if you want to quit your nine to five um, and just like start something, whether it's online or otherwise. Uh, Tell start- me your goal because I'm here to help you make it happen. And I'm, I, will be, I will be your biggest cheerleader if that's what you want to do and we can make it work. A hundred percent. I'm totally with you on this. And I have a lot of my clients who plan on not exactly... Um, not exactly on retiring early, but being financially independent to be able to start a business. And as long as we're as um, as we're just defining this correctly, uh, it makes everything so much easier uh, because it, uh, there would be a lot less surprises. Yeah, when you start to work with people, often they come with nuts and bolts technical questions, or they need to get their kind of house in order. There are things we haven't discussed that we're not going to go into today that are important, like. Are your correct insurances in place? Do you have estate planning, the legal documents that are appropriate? Um, you know, both of those areas are what if something goes wrong in many cases. Are you doing the charitable giving that you would desire to do? Um, how are you planning for your kids' education, et cetera? So they come with like, you know, hey, get me up to date. I'm not sure what I need to do. And here are a couple of questions I have. But over time, with that iterative process that we both described, then you can come with your aspirational goals. Hey, what if we did this? And I always like to tell people, you can probably do anything. You just can't do everything. So as long as there's prioritization and making sure that things can work financially, that is uh, one of the things that I love about this job. It's helping people pursue things they wouldn't have felt confident to pursue without the financial advice. Right. No, I totally agree with you. Well, this has been a powerful discussion. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with as we kind of wrap up? Well, thank you so much for having me, Melissa. It's been uh, great. And um, the work that you've been doing in the uh, community here has certainly been felt. And um, I think this is how we met. So yeah, uh, yeah, just keep up the good work. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, likewise. It's good, like I said, to have a friend who I know does great work and who is here local. So um, we both really believe in supporting the financial planning community and having discussions like this, I hope, shows people 
that when you find a good fit for a financial planner, it's really someone who's not selling you something. They're they're working through a process with you that can give that financial planning alpha that you described, Asad. I'm confident the industry is moving toward the right direction. We're, we're already seeing it. And you are like on the top of the list. Uh, <laughs> you're powerful financial planning. Likewise, you're a young leader in in our field, which is so important that we are providing access to financial advice to broader communities and to people when they're younger. Um, we'll make sure that we have your contact information in our show notes. Um, and I bet we each of us has some resources on like the backdoor Ross that we were just describing. So we'll leave a couple resources there as well. And um, just keep up the great work, Asad. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.